0: to stay in shape you have to hit the pavement you have to put in some hard work and sweat along the way many of the same principles apply when it comes to money let's whip that portfolio into shape it's time for financially
1: fit with kyle hammersmith hey everybody welcome into this edition of financially fit we are moving along nicely here into 2021 This is our late January podcast, and we're going to take some email questions this week on the show. Uh, We do lots of different topics from time to time, but we haven't done, I don't think, just an email question show. And we have, it's been quite a while. So we get uh, various emails from time to time that come in. And of course, sometimes we obviously Kyle answers those immediately, but a lot of times we have some of these that are specifically for the podcast, and we'll take some of the best ones that we get in and ask these on the show from time to time. So let's knock a couple of them out this week. If you'd like to submit your own, you can always just go to Mokey com. that's mokanfinancial.com m o k a n financial.com and uh, let's see what we got this week for you Kyle first of all how you doing you doing all right
0: doing well just getting some stuff ready for the the new gear here and uh hopefully we can uh you know kind of get back to normal as close as we can Yes. Yeah. You know, kind exactly of here
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I know the the calendar for a lot of I talk to advisors all across the country and it's uh, it's it's filling up pretty quickly so people are out getting uh, trying to get some things done you know typically we finance also kind of gets added into that January New year's resolution type of Mentality that we all do let's eat better let's work out more you know let's get our finances in order. <laughs> we tend to do that as uh, as humans in January, so a lot of people have been pretty busy and so hopefully that's you as well you're taking some action out there and, and realizing hey i don't have a plan or I need to get a second opinion or whatever the case is, and you're taking a little action and hopefully this week's show with uh other folks' questions might help you out because you might find something similar to your own situation. So let's dive in and see what we got. We've got a question. Albert sent one in. Albert, thanks for listening to the podcast. He said, guys, should I start my Social Security at 62 to help me pay off the house before I retire? What you think, Kyle?
0: It's a great question. I have some questions for Albert. You know, before kind of just understanding what the situation is you know one thing to keep in mind is if you're taking social security before your full retirement age there is a uh, earnings you know minimum uh, that we can't hit so you know if you're claiming social security they don't want you to be you know working a full-time job where you're making over eighteen thousand dollars and change so you do kind of run the risk of actually giving some of that check back to them if you're over that earnings limit Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind the second thing to keep in mind is, you know, depending on, you know, when you're planning on retiring, you know, it might make sense to look at other sources of to pay off that loan. Uh, interest rates are historically low right now, so you know it, it might be advantageous to keep, you know, just to keep uh, keep that payment going and uh, looking at investing that money uh, somewhere else with maybe a higher rate of return over the long term. than. What you're currently paying on your mortgage but again it kind of comes down to you know your household situation right um, the longer you wait you're going to keep getting those delayed credits so someone taking it from 62 to 70 that difference is about 57 percent not including any cost of living adjustments so like getting the mortgage paid off sooner might look good on paper but in the long term claiming your social security at 62 might come back to bite you in the rear because yeah. You know, delaying Social Security kind of helps you eliminate that longevity risk if, if you live too long, spending down your portfolio.
1: Well, and if you're thinking about, I, I'm assuming, and I guess we're just making some assumptions here, but if he's just wanting the extra money to help pay down the cat, you know, pay down the house, yeah, again, is that something that you, you know, is that the only option available to you to try to do that? Is there some other things you could be looking at to do? Because, like Kyle said. You know, there's some there's some locked in features that are going to happen if you try if you choose to go that route, and maybe it's not even one that you really need to do. So, I guess I would ask uh, Albert, have you do you have a plan? Have you had some of your numbers ran to see where things are sitting at for you uh, to know what options are available and what might be the best scenario for you? If not, definitely reach out and talk with your advisor, or if you're not working with one, reach out to Kyle, have a conversation. And thanks for listening to the show. You can call him at nine one three two five seven thirty nine. Ninety-one, and uh, let's see what else we got. We've got Diana here. She says, "Kyle, I've heard about a strategy using life insurance to create income for yourself in retirement. My question is: Is this a legitimate strategy?
0: Yes, it, it's a legit strategy. What I'd be weary of is making sure it's not the the all not the ultimate strategy." It's always good to have taxi e- efficiency with, you know, different sources of income coming from different types of investments in different products. So, you know, having that life insurance income come to you um, is just a different, it's a, it's taxed differently than maybe your 401k distributions and your social security. So that's something that it, it's definitely legit. But one thing I always make sure of people is, you know, make sure you're not like giving up something to start, you know, start this life insurance strategy. Like, what are you using to fund it? You know, where was the money going before, you know, do you understand the long-term picture of what this life insurance cash value, you know, creates for you now and in the future. And what I, I I do know that this life insurance concept has been really, really popular, but I can also, I've also seen as like Roth conversion regulations that changed. Now that there's like not a cap on how much you can do to Roth conversion, mm-hmm. I've seen actually more people going that route than the life insurance route because they kind of want that tax-free income and growth. But I do believe, you know, an overall picture, it, it could be good mm-hmm. to have that type of uh, in- income coming in retirement. But it's definitely not for everybody.
1: Yeah, like everything we talk about, you know, there's there's pros and cons to various different vehicles and financial products, and it's really a matter of finding out what's going to be right for you by going through that process. And it's a pretty simple process, really, to sit down with an advisor and have them work up a plan and and look at your the things that you've accumulated and what you're trying, what your goals are. And really, that's a big part of it. It's not really just always the X's and O's of what you have. It's what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish? Then, of course, you know, how can we get those X's and to help you accomplish those goals. And different products do different things hopefully help you get, get us there and different strategies. And that's the idea behind working with an advisor to get a plan together. So Diana, thank you so much for the question. Hopefully that helps you out a little bit. Definitely a legitimate strategy. Talk with Kyle. See if it's the right strategy for you. Reach out to him here. And of course, we've got the information on the podcast. 913-257-3991. Victoria, we've got your question this week if you happen to be checking out the show. She said... <laughs> She said, my husband wants to leave a lot of money to the kids, Kyle, but I've worked too darn hard to be able to retire and I don't feel like scrimping and saving the rest of my life. Is there a reasonable amount to leave as a legacy for the family?
0: No, there's not. It kind of just comes down to what you personally you know, want and is it reasonable and is it accomplishable? Um, I would typically say like, start off by you know, making sure your retirement is the retirement that you want, you, you know, maintaining your lifestyle. Are there any actual goals that you want to accomplish in retirement that actually might, you know, make you increase your current, you know, most people just want to maintain their lifestyle. Um, and then at the end of the day, whatever's left over, want to make sure, you know, that the surviving spouse is taken care of and then right, from there, yeah. you know, what's ever left over kind of goes to the kids. You know, something in this mind is if you have a like an actual number in mind that you want to set aside that kind of goes towards the legacy, we just talked about using life insurance and um, you know that might be the answer where we're actually going to use some of the retirement savings to purchase life insurance now, that way we know what that number is going to be no matter if it happens in a month from now or in 30 years from now and they'll get that legacy as tax-free and then that way it kind of helps you utilize kind of whatever's left over to you know, use in your retirement.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose Kyle could, you know, somebody say, well, we want to leave them 10% of whatever our net worth is or whatever that, you know, number might be. But then again, how are you going to know what 10% is until you've gone through retirement and seen what's going to happen, what you've spent, what, you know, maybe a long-term care event is in the, you know, in the cards that you're not preparing for. So I guess it would be pretty hard to identify a specific number, but you could certainly uh, start planning for the legacy portion And then yeah, I think it's just those
0: people that have a plan, and then in the long term, as long as they stick to the plan, you know, over the long term there should be a higher amount left over, right? um, And then, which means they'll get a reasonable amount.
1: Okay. All right. Well, there you go. So hopefully that helps you out. I would say the biggest problem with things like this and these kinds of questions is that, you know, are you and your spouse, you're, well, clearly you're not on the same page, right? So part of that is going to be getting, you know, each other into that same kind of vein and really sitting down and running some numbers, getting the plan put together, getting some ideas so that you guys can come together and find that happy medium is going to go a long way in what you want to accomplish. Because if one party wants to do, you know, X and the other party wants to do Y, and they're big ticket items, then that could be certainly a strain on not only the marriage, but obviously the retirement planning process. So I would definitely encourage you, Victoria, to sit down with an advisor. And sometimes a lot of times advisors wear this, uh, you know, lots of hats. And one of those is a a bit of a marriage counselor, if you will. You kind of help talk people through these kind of sticking points when it comes to the financial side. I'm sure you see that quite often, right, Kyle?
0: Yeah, <laughs> more times than
1: not. <laughs> more times than not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's keep moving on here. Let's see if we can get at least one or two more in. We've got one here from Ron. He he says, Kyle, I'm anticipating a market crash any day now, and I have been for a while. Uh, so I have about half of my IRA in cash. That means I've got about $350,000 that's not really making me any money, just kind of sitting there. So I don't want to leave it, you know, doing nothing for very long. What's a good time frame to wait before jumping back in the market if I'm fearful about the volatility?
0: I'd tell Ron to hand over that crystal ball. I mean, (laughs) you know, you get all these financial experts out there. You know, if you just look at back at, you know, the market's going to crash when so-and-so gets elected and this is going to happen and the market's going to crash at this time. And honestly, nobody ever knows. And if they did know, they wouldn't tell you. Right. Um, We have to be wary of kind of what we're seeing in the news here because there's a lot of reacting and overreacting. And you just I think it kind of just goes back to what's your investment philosophy? You know, are we going to be a a market timer? And, you know, research has been done saying typically that's not the the best route to go. You know, if you're trying to hit home runs, that's fine. But you're also going to be striking out a lot and those people can't handle that. Uh, It's best to kind of base, you know, invest this money you have based upon the time horizon of when you're gonna to need to access it. Um, that way, hey, if you're gonna need a good chunk of this money of income over the next 10 years, kind of set that 10-year money aside into something that's more like we talked about in the last podcast, that's more safe and protected. And then invest that, the remaining portion for the long-term growth that way, hey, you know, the market does crash, right? Now you can kind of sleep at night knowing, okay, I'm down 33%, but I don't need this money for 10 years. Um, so as long as I stay invested, I will be rewarded. That's kind of the route I would be going versus trying to predict which way the markets are going to go. Okay.
1: All right. So good a good question there, Ron. Good answer there to think about. It's, yeah, I mean, it's always one of those tough deals. But they, And people do that. And don't feel bad, Ron, because we tend to think, we, we see questions like this. Like I said, I talk with advisors all across the country. We see questions like this often where people feel like their only two options are in the market or in cash. And that's just not the case. There's other things you could be looking at and doing. So have a conversation with Kyle. Get on the calendar. Have a chat about some other possibilities that could be uh, at your disposal, depending on your, you know, your goals and what you want to accomplish, and so on and so forth. It doesn't just have to be one or the other. Because uh, yeah, I
0: would actually, I would reverse that question for Ron, saying, you know, let's say you take half this money and go to cash now. How long would you wait before you put that cash back in? Is cash back in the market to reinvest it if from when you took it out to today it was up 30 percent that month yeah. you know, those are the things you have to think about like when are you getting it back in if it keeps going up versus when you're going down? And obviously it's we're to, it's kind of, it's easy to bail out when it's going down. Right. Sure.
1: And that's the panic. That's the panic ha- aspect. And of that's it. kind
0: of what the savvy investors want you to do. Sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, and we're really, you know, we're some pretty big highs, right? You know, at the moment we're taping this podcast, we're at some pretty big highs. So obviously getting in now, I mean, all of it, it's been inflated. So really you'd be getting in on the high side, which is not what you want to do. You don't want to buy when it's high. You want to buy when it's low. Uh, if anything actually i suppose the the uncon- well the conventional wisdom but the hard thing to do to get emotionally would have been when things were down and looking uh, down pretty you know 30% back in march would that would have been the time to probably buy in but again you're speculating because you have you had no idea it was going to come back as quickly as it did so that's the crystal ball aspect that Kyle was talking about. So really get a plan together, Ron, and and figure out, you know, some best avenues for to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish in your retirement and how to it's all about the income. So how to generate it and create that income based on what you need versus maybe just chasing returns. All right, one more question, and we're going to wrap it up this week just because I think this one's kind of interesting to uh, tee up for Kyle. He says, uh, this is Tom. He says, Kyle, I've got an MBA, and I understand investments well. I've always handled my portfolio by myself without having any professional help, and I've actually done pretty well for myself. In your honest opinion, is there really any reason for someone like myself to work with an advisor?
0: I would say, based upon that, no, because it kind of really comes down to the trust factor. It almost, it almost, you would almost fall into the trap where you're always going to be, you know, second guessing. Hey, could I have done better than this advisor is always doing? True. And it's not, it, you know, it always comes down to the plan, but it's not always about the stocks and funds that are picked. Um, it's kind of there's more that comes down to it, and not everybody needs a financial advisor. You know, if you're just looking for like a money manager you know, you're, you're going to be the cheapest one to hire. <laughs> True, And, you know, it just kind of comes down to, you know, if you feel like you have a good grasp on it, just understand that how you've been doing these investments in your financial life up to today, it's going to be a complete new muscle group once you start actually needing this money. As right. That's what it's I was different thinking. Ball game. Yeah. So if you're, if you feel comfortable going in, you know, leaping into that, you know, what's called a sport or whatever you want, and not knowing the rules and how it works and getting bumped around, then not everybody needs a financial advisor. But typically, someone knows upfront already if they need somebody to help them. And it's the people that don't know if they need an advisor because they've been doing it. That typically don't, and the relationship wouldn't work out.
1: You know, I, I liked the. I hadn't really thought about the aspect of you're going to kind of always feel you're second guessing the person, or you're going to feel as though you want to. You know, the relationship might not work well because you feel you know challenged, or you want to challenge the advisor because you think you can do it yourself, and you have done it yourself. And that does tie in nicely to the Kyle second point, really, which is. You've probably done a great job, and it sounds like you have at the accumulation side, but the preservation and distribution of that in retirement really, truly is a different animal. And then dealing with Social Security and some of the aspects that go on there, and you know just how to take care of RMDs and following all the different rules and regulations that go into it. You know, it certainly uh, it begs the question: is, is it worth it? It very well could be. But a lot of that's going to come down to your own mindset as to whether you can accept help as well. So I think those are some really good, strong points. Uh, great question, though, Tom. Thank you so much for submitting it in. Good luck with it. If you know, One thing you could always think about, too, is many advisors you know, do a consultation. There's no cost or obligation for them. So come in and sit down and have a chat. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe you've talked to one or two. Uh, and that's good. You should talk to a couple to see if you can find the right fit for the right personality and mentality that works well for you. And of course, if you'd like to reach out to Kyle or any else. All you got to do is give them a call at 913-257-3991 and let them know you'd like to chat and get on the calendar. They'll get you all squared away, whether it's in Kansas City or Wichita, 913-257-3991. Or you can stop by the website at MokanFinancial.com. That's M-O-K-A-N Financial.com. And don't forget to shoot us an email while you're there. Uh, You can also subscribe to the website and all that good stuff straight from that spot for the podcast uh, on whatever platforming app you like to use, Apple, Google, Spotify, and so on. All right, Kyle, thanks so much for your time, my friend. Great email questions this week. Uh, Hopefully, we help some folks out. Hopefully, you have a good week as well, and I'll talk to you in February. All right, sounds good. We'll see you next time here, folks, on Financially Fit with Kyle Hammerschmidt from Mocan Financial. Investment advisory services offered through Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., RWA, an SEC registered investment advisor. Mocan Financial and RWA are not affiliated. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or to predict future performance. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. This information is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. It It is not, however, intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid tax penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. Please note that Mocan Financial and its affiliates do not give legal or tax advice. You are encouraged to consult your tax advisor or attorney.